0: And I found one other great clip that I never would have expected to see, that after the second period of a game, John mckenna's not only is complaining to the officials, he walks onto the ice to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm looking at, sure. like, John, it, this is not how I remember you, but he's out there finger-pointing at an official. He
1: had a Guazdecki moment, huh?
0: Very much so. <laughs>
2: Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA, with your hosts Tim
1: Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode twenty-five of season three of the Chasing McNaughton podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey guys and Matt Cavender. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dustin will probably be joining us a little little bit later, but we'll see if that happens. But anyway, this week our special guest is Dave Ellis, the sometime color commentator for Michigan Tech Hockey. Thanks for joining us, Dave.
0: Always a pleasure, guys. Nice to see you. Uh,
1: This week we'll be discussing the playoff series with Ferris State, uh, the Mason Cup playoffs in general, and the uh, I don't know the, the probability matrix I guess would be the the way to phrase it here and see what uh what actually comes of it. I really wish the pairwise predictor was working properly right now to uh to figure out some things, but uh anyway, um and we got a couple questions, at least one I guess. Um and we'll see how long this takes us to get through all this. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsors including our new sponsor, Livonia Technical Services, uh, and be back to chat uh, about last week's games with
2: Dave Ellis. Fibkey Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the hodag. Look online at fibkeydental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between eight and five and tell them THG sent you. That is F I E B K E dental.com.
3: Do you work in manufacturing product design or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia technical services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development and cost reduction all things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at livoniatech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A tech.net. Get ready for
0: the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th,
1: Welcome back. Let's get right into things. Dave, one of our patrons claimed that you're a huge Spartans fan and that Ron Mason is your favorite coach. Is that true?
0: He sits number two. Okay, for sure. But we're, I mean, <laughs> I worked with the guy for more than 20 years. And yeah, uh, all my Husky stuff in the back right now is... I will admit, covering up a little Michigan State stuff, I'm a, two, I'm a two-time grad and a 23-year employee, so very tough right now to, to get that one out of my blood, but I will tell you this, that every time Michigan Tech plays Michigan State, I can guarantee you know who I'm rooting for, even when I was working for Ron Mason. Okay. <laughs> um, so
1: with how much that you, you uh, appreciate Ron Mason and kind of know the history. What, what does it mean to you to see the Mason cup uh, brought back this season?
0: I mean, it's great. Uh, it's nice to have something that's a little more tangible link in, in, at least in my mind to college hockey and to the CCHA. It's a little good nod for you know, a guy who was really instrumental in putting the league together as the uh, the head coach of Bowling Green and at Lake Superior. Oh, he was a, a big part of the formative years of the CCHA in its original um, form. So Oh, it's nice to, to bring that one back. I will tell you that there are multiple uh, in in uh, pieces of of, of the, the kind of like the Stanley Cup. There are duplicates of the Mason Cup, and it's a good thing there were because one of the years back in the uh, late two thousands, uh, right? I think two thousand nine. Uh, they had it down at the Fox Theater for the CCHA Super Six, which was kind of a big thing that they would do the awards for the conference right before you'd start play the uh, the next night at Joe Louis Arena. And they do a big, like a shindig, where they have a cocktail hour out in the lobby and this really opulent look out there. It was great that, you know, the Fox Theater and Olympia Entertainment and the Illiches put this together. And it's this real ornate look out there. And after the cocktail hour's over, then they would move all the trophies that were on display so you could see them and put them in on the stage. While an intern goes over and they start picking up all the trophies to move them uh, in, into the display for the show. And he picks up the Mason Cup, and he turns, and he doesn't realize that there's a velvet rope behind him. He drops the trophy, and it shatters into three million pieces on the (laughs) granite floor. And everyone in the lobby looks and says, did that really just happen? And somehow, (laughs) magically, it appeared on the stage right after that. And everybody knew it had just been destroyed. (laughs) So it kind of outed him that there's more than one Mason Cup. And I can guarantee... I've seen the original one or the second one or whichever one's still around probably hit within about an inch of its life itself, not just the one that shattered on the floor. So even though it's a very short lived trophy right now, it's already got a great history and a lot of experience in uh, celebrations, let's say we say. So I know
1: a lot, some of us, maybe uh, Matt and some other younger folks don't quite know the history. And I think some of us were kind of caught off guard by bringing back the Mason Cup. Can you talk a little bit more about like how, how important it was to him for the smaller schools to have a place and, and some of that history from his perspective?
0: Yeah, Ron was actually a really good friend of John McInnes and took that, uh, that same kind of mentality that John had that when smaller schools and smaller programs were coming up, Michigan Tech would always schedule them to give them that notoriety to say, hey, we can play with one of the big teams. And when schools like kent state came into the ccha for a little while when illinois chicago came in uh, some of the smaller teams that some made it and some didn't nebraska omaha was a great example ron mason would play them he'd schedule them and get them on and give them a little bit of notoriety say we can play with some of the big schools and that was something that he always said he learned from john mcginnis which is a great tie to, uh, to both programs that way and really speaks a lot to, you know, Ron came from a really small program at Lake Superior State. So playing against some of the bigger teams was something that he never really got to do very much on rare occasions. But you know, when he put himself into that position where he could be the guy that could advance college hockey, he was a big proponent of doing that in the sport. So to see his name placed onto a trophy, he was very proud of that. And one of the, uh, the great shots that I will always remember of Ron is when they won it for the first time, with Michigan State, the team brought him on the ice and Ryan Miller handed him the Mason Cup and he raised it over his head, which I don't think there are very many times that you see somebody who's had a trophy named for them win the trophy while they're still alive. So that that was a really great moment and I'm sure that that picture is going to be one that's always associated with the Mason Cup. It was great for Bowling Green to hold on to all the trademarks for the league and all the artifacts because they were the proprietor after the breakup of the original CCHA that held on to the Mason cup that said, if we ever get a chance to use it again, we want it available. And, and that's I've been a great thing that, uh, that the Falcons did to bring it back, make it available and make it a, a trophy that we play for again.
3: Yeah. I think cool. a couple wow. things there. First thing is I think you're selling him a little sort saying he came from Lake state. He started Lake state's program, yep. right? <laughs> let's let's yeah. give him, give him the credit there. He's, he's the guy that started it all off and you know, and most people associate him with, with You know, green and white. That's that's my memory. Right. Ron Mason behind the bench at GLI. But he's definitely got more history around college hockey than I think a lot of folks that just remember him as as the Spartans coach, you know, give him credit for. He's been around and there's a reason why it's named after him like you went in those details. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I mean, when he coached at Bowling Green, he took them Mm -hmm. to a frozen four. And it was almost impossible for somebody other than an ECAC team or a WCHA team to make it into the field. They actually added an extra game, so there was a West playing game, and they won a game, I think, at Yost Arena against Michigan to make it into the Frozen Four, and then won the consolation game that year in the late 70s. So that's what got him the Michigan State job. And he coached for two years in the original WCHA before they made the jump along with Tech, Notre Dame, and Michigan into the – uh, the, the CCHA back in 1981. So, you know, the, the guy's been at three schools. He won a national championship at each. Yes, the first one at Lake State was NAIA, but, uh, well, he didn't win it at, at, uh, at Bowling Green, but he did go to the Frozen Four. So, you know, th- that's a guy who, uh, I mean, if, if you don't respect what Ron Mason did for college hockey, uh, I don't think he really follow the sport well enough.
3: Yeah, yep. And, on you know, the other, another little trivia bit, Joe just mentioned on his show today that St. Lawrence is coming to Tech. And that's where he played yep. college hockey, right? He did. So he, he's he's been around. I've I've done my my digging to make sure I've got my facts right. Knowing you're on the show, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ron Mason played against Denver in a Frozen Four for Saint Lawrence, and we got the film of it from Denver somehow. They still had it around. I think from 1960, and they got beat 11 to one. But he swore he had an assist in that game. All we could find was a penalty that he took <laughs> in the game. So. It, it's uh, it, it was great to uh, to work with the guy. He was probably the toughest coach that I ever worked with, and that includes guys like Nick Saban. Ron Mason was a perfectionist, and if you weren't a perfectionist for him, he let you know for sure. Right? <laughs> sure. Always an intimidating guy to be around, but, I, I mean, one of the best experiences of my career for sure working with him.
3: Well, that's one of the biggest things. I don't, I don't mind the fact that the CCHA brand has been brought back. I think it's fitting, especially with some of the schools. I just wish that the the ad that gets played in front of each of the games on flow, uh, where, where Bunchy Gross is, is playing the ad. I wish it highlighted the Lake State wins, the bowling green wins, the, the smaller schools that are still in the Northern Championship. Why yeah. show Michigan and Michigan State playing each other to talk talk about the history? Show the teams that the small teams that were the, the champions where's the, where's from the, the, the CCHA. video?
1: Jerry York and, and Bowling Green, right? Yeah, that's show, a tough
0: one. Yeah. I mean that's really scratchy video if you find that one. And remember Northern <laughs> sure. Championship, they were in the WCHA. No, oh, that's right. That was in the few years. years.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. We can yeah. still highlight the Lake State ones and the uh and the uh and the bowling green one. The the Lake State one is the only one I have actually been in person in. I, I, yeah. I was I was at the games for that.
0: We're working on, uh, right now, TV6 in Marquette is one of the few places that's got a lot of archival college video from back in that era. Lake State has almost nothing from even back to the 1994 championship. They've got very little that's around from there. I've talked to the guys from Ferris State about getting them some video, too. They've got a pretty good archive in Marquette. And If you've seen the picture that I post once in a while, it's this big, huge shelf unit. And the stuff on it is so packed in it's starting to bow the shelves with how much <laughs> is in there their video library goes back to 1980 and uh, they've got a production guy who's just retiring this week and his project that he's got in retirement is to go through all the film cans that they used before 1980. so we may be able to find some really cool stuff archivally uh, very soon which would be kind of neat but if you remember the last time that ferris played up in houghton dirk pointed this out because i gave him the note was 40 years ago in the playoffs in 1982, and they were the last ever home opponent for John McGinnis. But the fun part about that was it wasn't Ferris State University then; it was Ferris State College. So if you see the <laughs> sure. jerseys, it says <laughs> FSC across the front. which was kind of neat to see that. Mm. So they just got to find the right place to go find this archival video, right? Now we've got it. Now we got to get it to right to the right people
3: yeah Yeah. it's it's always neat watching I think you're the one that's occasionally shared the uh the unlisted link that shows on YouTube that has uh like the national championships and stuff like that to watch I think that's you right yeah or I, or, at least, or you've shared them around <laughs> whether they're yours <laughs> or not uh it's coming on you
0: at some point <laughs> that was uh, Calvin Larson and I had kind of cooked that one up as part okay. of the celebration for the hundred years uh, we went around and' were talking to the archivists and uh, and the schools that were possibly in possession of some of the old Michigan tech video. And some of them were really helpful. Minnesota had some great stuff from the mid seventies. Michigan actually had, there's a clip you see in the open that's played in the arena from the 1956 national championship game. The last game that Al Renfrew coached for Michigan tech before he went to North Dakota, which was against Michigan kind of funny at the (laughs) old Broadmoor, but 1956, I think is the furthest back we could find film of actual Michigan tech hockey. And, There are some that the 62 and 65 national championships, because they were in places like Utica where nobody was going to keep the video. And I talked to Clarkson, I don't know how many times to ask him, do you have this? And they couldn't come up with anything. The e-schools were a little rough. Notre Dame kept almost everything. And we found some great stuff from them from the seventies. So I've got video now of, uh, of Mike Zoot playing and really good stuff, which I didn't think was going to exist And I found one other great clip that I never would have expected to see, that after the second period of a game, John McInnes, not only is complaining to the officials, he walks onto the ice to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at, John, this is not how I remember you, but he's out there finger-pointing at an official. He
1: had a Guazdecki moment, huh?
0: Very much so. (laughs) But it it was eye-opening, kind of like – it's like going into a pasty shop in Cornwall and seeing that they put chicken balti into this, and you've been told for years there's one way to make a pasty, and all of a sudden they're at 30, and you're just blown away by all this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was just uh, looking. So, like, none of the teams that are currently in the CCHA have won the conference tournament since '95.
0: That's about right. Yeah, Lake Superior would have been the last one.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting to see that it had to go back that far. Ferris State made the final. Northern made the final, but they yep. didn't
0: win. And Bowling Green, I think, would be the only other team that would have won a playoff championship in the original CCHA. Other, well, Northern Michigan would have an 81 or 80. Both. But that would have been about all, right? I think so. I mean, Lake you're talking State, about four teams. times,
1: forward. Bowling Green. Yep. Four times, and Northern twice.
0: So, I mean, you're talking about when Ohio U was in there and St. Louis and there've yep. been some weird teams that were CCHA teams before. Oh, that's <laughs> one of my favorite
3: things about the uh, the Wikipedia page that shows that graph of the teams entering and leaving. And I think this is a really neat way to actually show who's been in the league, when they've been in the league. It's just, it's, it's. there's a lot more teams there I don't think people realize were in there when it started. <laughs>
0: No. Uh, there are some great video that uh, that I've seen from, I mean, the original rivalries in that league between teams like Northern and, and Ohio State. They used to have not only bench clearing but arena wide fights where it went down <laughs> the stairs into the locker rooms of the old OSU ice rink. So it, if you find some of this stuff around, and it's hard to get it, but eventually that stuff will start prol- proliferating out, and it's uh, it's a league with a lot of great history.
1: Yeah, I said I
3: was slightly grumpy when it came out that we were, that was what they were going back to. Just it felt like uh, a going backward a stepping backwards rather than trying to branch out new in CHC style. But I I don't have I don't have a problem with it anymore. I'm past it.
0: <laughs> you know what I really like about it now is when you start looking through on some of the sites that list the uh, conference standings alphabetically, I don't have to scroll all the way to the bottom yeah, anymore. The <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, actually
1: I forget which app it was or I forget which one it was, maybe it was uh, one of them. I think they just, instead of resorting it alphabetically, CCHA is still last because they just changed it to change. CCHA from WCHA. <laughs> and I was like, come on, we're not last anymore. Um, so so from your perspective, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. What What do you see as being some of the bigger or more important uh, changes or improvements from like the last few years to this year with the new conference.
0: I mean, I, I think being able to get a little bit more coverage in uh, in social media has been helpful. Like if if I go back and I want to know what happened last night in the Bowling Green Bemidji game, and if it was a game in Northern Ohio, you would have never seen anything unless you were in Northern Ohio, and now. Every game's got highlights, which is helpful, because now I yeah. think you can at least get a feel for what that game was like instead of just reading a scorebook. I think that was a, a, that's a big jump. And uh, Dom Henning has got to get a little bit of credit for that because he stays up a pretty lot. late as a one-man a crew to put that stuff together. And I think that's been really helpful. The graphic package is nice. I, I know they're working really hard to get a, a TV contract together that will get some broadcast exposure, and that would be really big to be the next step. But I think the officiating has been better. I've been able to uh, get a, a much quicker answer on a lot of questions that I've had. Like on Saturday night, I ran up into the press box during the, the Ferris game when the big scrum happened in the first overtime and the referees blew the whistle. And I had no idea why, because Giesbrecht wasn't the one in the crease. So somehow yeah. they blow the whistle on that one. Well, Kevin Langsett was upstairs in the box. Yeah. So when we got to a TV timeout, I walked up just to ask him, what was the call? And, and what happened? And he explained that really quickly, the referee lost sight of the puck, which is probably what you would have guessed. Joe could have challenged it had he wanted to, but on what was there, probably wasn't going to get much out of it. So you know, in, in my mind right away, because we were done watching on that end of the rink, I, I thought for sure that somebody from Ferris had intentionally covered the puck. And that's probably what happened, but you couldn't tell it, in it the def- pile.
1: It definitely so,
3: looked like that from the overhead when
0: we
1: yeah. were watching. So, if, well. so is it... The rule doesn't require you to like grab the puck with your hand to cover it up, but if you just intentionally like lay on top of it, that's still
0: a penalty shot, right? It, it it's but an you automatic have to if intent, you, right? If you cover it with your hand, that's automatically intent, and it's an automatic penalty shot. The rest of it is discretionary, okay. from what I, feel I understand. Like
3: with the amount of times we've automatically gotten the penalty for the stupid faceoff one, because for whatever reason we can't figure out that you're not <laughs> supposed to do that.
0: <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the centers. The part I've never understood about that rule is that if you don't try to move the puck by yourself in the rule book, that's the lay of game. So if you're just laying there on top of the puck and not trying to move it out, now you're not looking at penalty shot stuff. You're at least looking at a two minute minor. Yeah. I, so, I,
1: I don't understand how I still don't really like, I guess in in abstract, I understand the rule, but I still don't understand how you can blow the whistle and not have the puck be, like, caught in somebody's breezers. Right. And not result in a penalty or a penalty shot in that moment because the goalie wasn't in the crease, and the puck was. Yeah. It, it, that's,
0: it, it's hard to understand that one because you can clearly see that there's no way the goaltender can get to the puck.
3: Yeah. That, yeah. That's yeah. Well, what kind well, of the defender. Yeah, the, the D-man literally lays down. Like, he, it, it looks like he's laying down behind a soccer wall essentially yeah in yeah. the crease he literally lays parallel to the goal line yep. and sits there waiting for the puck to come into him and then it looks like he grabs it to me but
0: so it's like, all I water guess,
3: underneath the we won both games bridge so i don't really care that much anymore <laughs> so that that's
0: yep. the next strategy then that you start stacking defensemen like cordwood yeah. in front right. of the net yeah. <laughs> right
3: right <laughs> yep. just don't roll over and cover it just let it hit you yeah there you go no, see that, that during late late uh, late game face off we'll start seeing that strategy take into place someone lays in front of the net instead
0: <laughs> so so anyway that that's been a nice advancement for me that I, I think it's a lot more transparent immediately from uh from this organization and, mm-hmm. and the CCHA than it was in the previous league I, I think that's been a nice step i think uh a lot of the the contracts that you're gonna see coming soon in the next couple years with the, uh, the out-of-conference games I, I think is going to be a lot more equal than it used to be. And i no disrespect to the three programs that aren't around anymore, but look what it's done to the RPI for almost every team in the league. Everybody has jumped up because you're not sitting on the bottom with all the flotsam and jetsam that are, at best, going to be stuff that you throw out because it hurts your RPI to beat this team. That's been a huge jump.
3: Yeah, yeah and I think St. Thomas, as we've talked about on the, the program before, they're – They're, you know, five years out from being competitive, but they will be competitive. There's no way they're not going to be where they are, who they've hired, and, you know, the possibility of an uh, on-campus rink that they're looking at. They will be competitive relatively soon and will be a a valuable part of the league. It's the opposite of the downward trajectories of the other programs that unfortunately aren't with us anymore.
2: Hell, I'm convinced they should have pushed uh, Mankato to overtime on Friday. I thought that one goal (laughs) that they had was absolute crap.
0: Rico went crazy. I, I don't I, know if I, saw the highlight. He I was went just like nuts.
2: <laughs> if I was in his position, I would have done the absolute same thing. He has yeah. an opportunity to do one of the craziest things that's happened in college hockey in forever, and it gets ripped away from him on one of the most blatant missed calls I've seen on the season. I completely get where he's coming from.
0: Yeah.
1: I yeah. I didn't I mean, understand the, that lack of a call there.
2: And for me, it wasn't like one of those like bump and grind, one of those like, yeah, maybe you could call it kind of a things. like that was pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, it was clearly obstruction. <laughs> like,
2: it's yeah. if nothing else obstruction. Yeah. yeah.
1: But like uh I, I like I completely understand what you're saying Matt, but uh I guess the one thing that I I still don't agree with is um that I don't know. The refs make mistakes, the players make mistakes, the coaches oh, yes. make like, mistakes. Like uh, Rico has every right to be frustrated, but like banging a stick on the glass, somebody stick on the glass to get the ref's attention and all that stuff. Like, like, yes, the call sucks, but refs don't deserve that either. I, I like
3: the, uh, the comments on the USCHO podcast as us do before, just cause I, I've, I've started listening to those just to see how little they actually mention the CCHA. You know, <laughs> I don't understand how you can claim to be a college hockey podcast that's supposed to cover all of college hockey. And and literally mention one league for like two sentences. They, they, I get it. They're all out east. They're Eastern guys, so they cover, they cover even more when it comes to you know Atlantic hockey. They talk about them even more than talk about the CCHA, which I find crazy. But the they did mention when talking about the Minnesota State and uh, and Saint Thomas game that he was channeling his inner Gwazdecki. and I had to laugh about that, especially yeah. after the of times we've seen Gwazdecki just go nuts and McGinnis. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point of you know having to apologize like we talked i think it was last week we actually just talked about it right about winter carnival where yep. he didn't realize when he pulled the goalie and just left him out for like four extra goals that he was basically screwing up the the winter carnival total goals stuff and he apologized for it in his post game at some point but yeah that's uh definitely a little more creative use of a hockey stick from a a coach that I've <laughs> seen in quite some time. Yeah. I, I know, and then he tried squirting water at the refs too. Yeah. He, he used he, the water he bottle to like spray he was, too.
2: He looked like he was winding up to throw the bottle and the squirt was like easing up on it if you watch <laughs> the video. He looked yeah, like he was true. winding up to give that like Yeah. I'm surprised Rico stopped short of assault on
0: I was like waiting was for going the going. gym Playfair where he rips off the coat and the tie and he starts coming out toward or like the throwing ice.
2: yeah like throwing chairs and sticks on the ice and yeah. like going oh, Bobby it, like, Knight yeah. yeah go Bobby
1: like, Knight yeah I, I get clear the, the bench is... of everything that's not attached oh yeah Bobby <laughs>
0: you know, that threw the one on at Joe Lewis that took the piece of the bench and threw it back onto the onto the surface then there's this really heavy piece because that bench didn't go all the way to the door where you came out. So we picked it up and chucked that on the ice. too. I, I could see, well, it'd be a tough throw for Rico to get over the boards from there. Too. No.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the, I, I think we can all agree that he was a little over the line, but given the situation of St. Thomas, that if they lose both games, they're done. They have a genuine chance to at least push the number one team to overtime. In their first season, that's you know been up and down. You can see the inklings of where their culture is going to go. I think it would have done a lot for the program just to push them to overtime.
0: Absolutely, it was, yeah, that was I, a program I, builder. That's a recruiting chip if you can go in and beat the number one team in the country in their right. own building in the playoffs for sure. Oh
2: yeah, and I would have just think, thought it would have been hilarious to see what kind of a pairwise bomb that might have been. But <laughs> but at any, at any rate, I, I I I think we can all agree it was a little over the line. But I definitely see where he was coming from.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely see it. Uh, Let's see. Where's the – so to to go along with – so Marvin Wilson was the one that talked about Ron Mason earlier. He wanted to know – his actual question was after Mason, uh, so after him and I assume McInnes, uh, what coach or administrator – Uh, do you give, uh, do you credit with doing the most to grow the game at CCHA universities and their communities?
0: That's a good question. Um, Off the top of my head, I'd probably say Rick Comley would be in on that list because he took over the Lake Superior program from Ron Mason, won an NAIA championship there and really built the program at Northern, but did a lot of the same stuff that, that, uh, that John wanted to do. And Rick Comley unabashedly said, look, when we built this program, we wanted to be Michigan Tech. We wanted to do what they do. We want to build the program in their image and be able to do the kind of things they did for the sport. And he was really good about the same kind of thing. That they, it wasn't as big a deal if you got to play Northern Michigan, if you're somebody like or Alabama Huntsville or somebody else who's coming in like Nebraska, Omaha. But he'd schedule those kind of teams too, and and that was a big thing that they'd go to play, uh, you know, tournaments with teams like that, and, and he really, I think, cared about the future of college hockey the same way that the coaches that I talked about, and, and that's, you know, probably goes without saying because he was a Ron Mason protege and really was great friends with John McInnes too, so I would say Rick Conley, if nothing else, because of his longevity in the league, did a lot for it. I really like what Buddy Powers did uh, at uh, at Bowling Green. He was kind of a behind-the-scenes guy for a while when Jerry York was there, but in that era where Bowling was just kind of starting to fade away from the top of the league. Oh, he did a lot for uh, for a lot of schools that were in there too. In that that era when they expanded to, what, 13 teams at some point, <laughs> Buddy was a big proponent for getting more teams in there and giving them their chance. And you know, guys like that did a great job with things that needed to be done, not just on the ice, but away from the ice too. And uh, I would put Jeff Jackson in that category, but I just don't think he had the longevity at, uh, at Lake Superior the way that Some of the other coaches that we talked about really spent that much time at the other schools in the league. But Bill Wilkinson should get some credit, I I think, at Western Michigan just because he was another guy that really kept programs going by playing them and and doing some things uh, away from the rink. So there have been some great names in the league that way that uh, that I would think those are the ones that would be influential. But if you had to pick one other one, I would think Rick Conley would be the top of my list.
1: Okay. Cool. That is a good question. <clears throat> so to talk about the weekend, I guess, um, what did you like? We made our predictions. What what did you think was going to happen going into the weekend? Uh,
0: I was convinced that if uh, if Tech could come up with a decent win on Friday night, that Ferris would probably fold the tent. And the longer you let him hang around, that they were going to get some more belief. And I guess that was borne out. But what? Uh, what really got me is the strategy change on Saturday night, not necessarily Friday. I thought Friday was going to be a grinder, and you were going to have to come up with a way to do it. So getting a comeback win, that was a nice feather, even though you shouldn't have been behind in the first place. But being able to tie it up and at least send it to overtime and win it there, that, that was big. Saturday, when the Huskies went up 2 nothing and went to a third guy high and kind of called off the dogs a little bit, I didn't like it. And and I was a little bit reticent when I saw I was sitting with my cousin over in the misfit section said, I don't think this is a little early to be doing this one and giving them a chance. He's a soccer guy. and He brought up isn't the two nothing lead, the most dangerous one in sports, which I never have believed. And now he kind of looked at me <laughs> afterwards. He so still think that's the case. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's a <laughs> dumb saying, but it's still kind of true
0: because obviously a one
1: goal lead is more dangerous than two right two goal leads evaporate very quickly sometimes and it's really weird how that works
0: they had all the momentum after that first one and then you know you kind of get rattled a little bit and if it was any longer than that six minutes at the end I was a little worried that if the game was you know another couple minutes in the third period that it would have ended from there getting into the locker room was huge because I think they they really reset 20 shots in the first overtime, and it should have ended probably four times in there. Yeah. Heesburg made a couple of great saves, and there were a couple of bad breaks. But I didn't think Ferris really threatened after they got the game tying goal, and and I really credit the uh, the way that the Tech had the depth to go out and and push them late in the game, and and it was you know role players that ended up winning the game for you. So
3: yeah, there was a couple of comments in our Discord that like I, I don't understand the mentality of you have the depth we have. Sure, they may not be generating the grade A chances early in the game. right? But by playing the depth that way and using all, rolling all four lines, it allows you at the end of the game to not be exhausted in you know, overtime, second overtime, end of the third. You're able to utilize your, your key players more if you roll all four in the beginning of the game. And there were some complaints about that in the Discord, like very early on uh, in the game. It's like, guys, it's the first
0: period. Just let it roll for a while here. Yeah. You know, uh, milking it with five D as long as they did when Buckley went out. That taught me a lot about what they've got on the blue line right now, and that that was pretty gritty to be able to do that. And I'm a little—I uh, don't think that we're going to see Buckley back this weekend. No,
3: even. Joe. I think Joe mentioned it's a little bit longer yeah. term. i Yeah, he didn't—he didn't sound too confident in it. Him and and Breth and Bretzman both are it sounds like out for a little bit longer. Brett's been, yeah. it sounded like he may come back uh, in, the, in the national tournament, possibly, but there's no chance he's back for any of the, the CCHA playoffs.
0: He's going to have to keep his legs and, and that's going to be the hard part right now because you know, he's a guy that really depends on taking a little bit longer shift because he's not going to beat you with speed. He's got to beat you with power and, and he's going to need to keep his lungs out there because he, he tends to take longer shifts than I think a lot of the guys do out there. And the way that he works, you've got to have your wind. And uh, I'm not sure that right now uh, that's probably the biggest concern for me. And then you look back on the blue line, it's either going to be Russell or Datema that, that comes in now, and that's going to change up. the. I'm not sure if you want to mess with the other pairings to try to work around that right now, or if they just get plugged right into the spot with Buckley. That's going to be a, a, one I really, really want to watch. And maybe that's a spot where you start thinking we'll dress 7D Instead yeah. of the extra forward, because then we've got some options back there if we need to plug. Es- some money
1: especially in. when it's one game. Yeah. So one game, I'd rather I think have the seventh D man when you've lost a guy that plays as much as Buckley does. You can roll your four lines and, or and change them up and and limit the fourth line or whatever you want to do at certain times. But I don't think you need that that thirteenth forward as much. When it's just one game and done for the whole weekend,
0: it'll be interesting to see who the the twelve forward will be because I I think Bronte played every position on every line at some point on yeah. Saturday night. He was every place as a he's center. He's way
2: overdue for a goal. For a, yeah. yeah, he's just he's just and such he's a crying in it tonight. so yeah. much.
0: Yeah, every uh, time he gets it, he feels dangerous.
2: Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see the pace pick up when he's out there. He's I really want to see him score because he's he's due. He's a good spark plug out there. Well, I mean,
0: for a team playing against a team like Ferris, who has to, and admittedly, you know, they know they don't have the same offensive talent. And during the season, not necessarily in the games that we saw against Tech, but when I saw them other times, they're willing to trade you that we will give you an odd man rush if we think we can get one going back the other way and roll the dice and see like, all right, if our guy can make a save, maybe yours doesn't. And that's the way that we get back in the hockey game. When you've got game breaker guys out there like that, I think that's what happened on the Crespi play. They came up and really said, look, we're going to sell out. We're going to try to get down there. If we give up something going the other way, you know, that's the trade. And when you give up that kind of a chance, that's where you have to burn them. That they, when they give you that opportunity, you've got to make them pay for it. And Crespi did that when he caused the penalty shot and then cashed in.
3: Yeah, there's definitely it, – it's nice seeing somebody on the ice like Crespi and Bronte were both a little bit of extra speed there to give that jump getting into the offensive zone that we don't necessarily – we don't. I feel like mean, we, don't, we don't have a lot of fast break style chances. We're more of a get it in grind and and work it around, get the, the goal. It doesn't tend to be fast breaks with us, and that's just a observation that i bearing out with absolutely no data behind it. So I'd be curious if, if you broke it down what our goals actually look like. But seeing those two guys with a little bit of speed, being able to jump up, being able to create breakaways like that, even if they don't always finish them, It's just another thing that needs to be defended against when they're on the ice.
0: You know, it's not up to date, but let me pull this up because one of the things that I like to track during the season is I will break down. I've got a spreadsheet that gives you goals for and goals against broken down into goals that were scored in the zone, in the zone on the power play on the rush, on the rush in the power play directly caused by turnovers, shorthanded, empty net extra attacker and penalty shot. So Justin, when I, Left off, I think, was the Bowling Green series. For that part of the of the, and I got to go back and really update this. Up to that point, thirty-seven of Tech's goals were scored in the zone, twenty-seven were on the rush, and sixteen were directly off turnovers. So it's probably a little bit more balanced than you think it is. Yeah, on maybe that it is. Off. Yeah, yeah. So what
1: exactly did Fair State do this weekend to bottle up Hallinan so much?
0: Well, they took Bliss away. And that, that was the big part. I don't think they necessarily did as much directly with Brian, but they okay. cut off his supply line. I thought Blisk was almost invisible with the way that they yeah, concentrated he, on taking him away.
3: It okay. looked like he struggled this weekend. He, he yeah. His passes weren't uh, as crisp. He, like he was getting double teamed a lot uh, when he was up on the wall. It, it definitely felt, uh, maybe that's the strategy. <laughs> don't go after the guy that scores the goals.
0: Go after the guy that supplies. You know? So yeah. it,
3: Bob Daniels was, knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> One of the reasons that Peratino got open for the goal that he scored was because there's so much attention being paid to Bliss and Hallinan, and when they're trying to get that puck in behind the net, they're willing to leave Peratino open because they don't think he can he can create anything, which is a probably uh, in, in retrospect a pretty bad mistake because I still think he's not the fastest guy on the ice, but Tommy Peratino might have the best stick of a Husky player maybe since John Young, and and that goal was a perfect example of it.
1: No, oh. but. Pick your poison, right? That's a tough line to shut down for anybody this year.
0: It is. And I I think Michigan Tech has been really good this year and at their best when the D has activated. And when you see them jump up, they need to fill those spots. When Bliss is being taken away, somebody's got to jump into the play and help out. And when they've done that, I, I think they've been one of the most effective teams in the country. I didn't think they activated as much as they needed to against Ferris. So that's something really to keep in mind against Bemidji.
3: No, there are definitely times when you can see uh, you can see them not jumping up into the play. Uh, like, Sawyer is, is one of the, the guys that will jump up constantly. Uh, and you can tell at times he, he seemed to be hesitating this weekend. Yeah, for and he's got the security reason, blanket
0: maybe. with Caro back there, too. that You don't have to well, worry about it as much.
3: Caro is your your classic stay-at-home-I-will-stop-anything defenseman. And what a wonderful addition to the team he's been.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know what? That's kind of what I thought of Lipe going into the season. And all of a sudden, Chris has been jumping up a lot more, and I was really surprised to see what's happened to his plus-minus. He, he actually get- had
3: several. He had several plays this weekend where he was the one carrying
0: it into the zone
3: yeah. on the zone entry, which uh, you know that that's usually Sawyer's role from the defensive side of things. With right. the D-man doing it, it's Sawyer carrying it up from the back. But yeah, he, there were several times I noticed Lipe was the one leading the zone entry. And man, is it nice to actually see zone entries again, where we're the one just going in instead of dump and chasing. There's still a decent amount of dump and chase happening, but there's there's possession finally from us, uh, which has been missing for a few years. I think
0: that's how they got burned on the goal against Ferris with that dump and go. When they put it into the corner and all five guys went to change. That's how the goal happened on Saturday night to give them the first one with that huge rush coming back down. It wasn't directly on the rush, but it was on the zone entry that they're scrambling to get back onto the ice and nobody found McLaren on the top when he put the shot on the top. And I still think that one was tipped. I don't, I think it went off of Logan Pietela's stick because it fooled Blake a little bit. And from that far out, unless there's a little, ton of traffic, you're not going to beat him from that far.
3: A little brother on brother action there. <laughs>
0: I mean, it happens, right?
2: I'm no. yeah. in
3: the driveway a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Want to tip it in on your brother? instincts take over? Yeah, I can see it. (laughs) All right,
4: guys. We interrupt this regularly scheduled THG podcast for a THG live report from From the home of the Frozen Four in the future, (laughs) T-Mobile Arena in Las (laughs) Vegas. I'm here to report that, yes, this will work. A Frozen Four. This <laughs> will be successful. We will have a good time.
1: <laughs> I, I just want Is that where I Jason wanna... Isbell is playing tonight?
4: Last night. It was last Jason night. Isbell last night. Okay. The CMA Awards are happening just down the street and Dolly Parton is hosting. I'm hoping I get to meet her later tonight at the <laughs> craft table at the Bellagio.
3: <laughs> I am just I am just curious how long and how patient Dustin has been with his video off, sitting on mute for those of you that aren't actually seeing the Zoom. <laughs> Dustin has literally been here as a black box for about 15 minutes waiting for his opportunity to turn his camera been, on to I've show us all. Patient. He has no snow anywhere near him.
0: <laughs> Short sleeve, guys. Short sleeve. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Rub it in.
0: All right, Dustin, so here's your tie-in on this one. Jake Crespi scored on a penalty shot on Saturday night, and the last Michigan Tech Husky to score in a game on a penalty shot, not counting shootouts, was Dylan Stamen in January of 2018 against Boston College at the arena in behind you at T-Mobile.
1: Yeah, I was there. I was definitely there. Yeah. He was a little drunk, but he was there.
4: I'm a little drunk now, too, but...
2: <laughs> hey that's one of the I'm not I'm not a Vegas guy but one of the things I love about it is that you can just take your drink wherever you like nobody cares
1: yeah like Bourbon Street
2: alright yeah.
4: right. I do have a bone to pick here though and it's What's with that? Caesars and their sports betting <laughs> they have college hockey futures at Caesars Palace I was really happy to see that they've got about 53 different teams you can choose To bet on and tech is not on the list even though we're pretty much guaranteed in the tournament at this point
1: so wait wait so you can you're talking about futures to win this year's tournament yes they have odds for 53 teams and michigan tech is not one of them they're part of the field
4: i have the list right they don't even i asked if i could bet on the field they wouldn't even offer me a field bet (laughs) that is the this is the list of the teams and the odds Michigan yeah. Tech is not on this list.
1: How many teams are on that list that lost this weekend and can't even win it?
2: now? A lot. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> oh, you get it back or is it just gone forever? I, no, I got it back. You're going to have okay, to try cool.
1: and find a different casino that will have them on there, huh?
2: No, I, I
4: asked MGM too. Um, there are teams on this list such as Long Island University, <laughs> St. Thomas University, Alaska, Fairbanks, <laughs> Canisius, Vermont. Where, what other good ones do we have on here? So that's two Without teams
3: ineligible for the here. tournament already. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, They can't even go.
2: Sacred Heart. St. <laughs> Lawrence is here. Niagara. It can't be legal for them to take bets on that because
0: fair it's estate. already literally impossible. Fair State
4: is on here. <laughs> I got this today and Ferris State is on here. It feels hey, Dustin, like- don't bet on
3: them. <laughs> no. it feels I like it's bet. one of those things where they looked at the list and went michigan tech michigan State. there's too many michigans we're going to drop at least one or two of these no. well Northern's
5: up,
2: northern's on here
3: well they don't start with michigan so it's okay yeah. True.
2: they're still so. technically eligible they they've upset Mankato in a tournament before in very recent memory. So people now,
3: that is a game I will drive four hours north for if it ends up happening. But we're playing Northern in the Guinness for
1: the title. I will be in Houghton.
2: That's a game that I might even <laughs> consider taking off for. Oh, no, I'm going to be there.
1: If, if, Michi- I'm going, if Michigan Tech beats Bemidji State, I am watching their, their conference championship game either way. Yeah, I plan on driving to Mankato, too. Because so I'm honest, kid-free. I can either drive to Mankato or I can drive to Houghton for one game. I'll figure it out.
0: We are already in talks right now if uh, Northern ends up beating Mankato and uh, and Tech wins and hosts the championship game. They... You're
2: going to make them come there at 8 a.m. and be there in person? It's going to be fantastic. Make them do it. Come as
0: as early as you want. I don't care when you come, but you're coming to the barn. <laughs> It'll, we're going to do it. For sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that what the, is that Quiet. what the hang up was last the when it was at Northern that you couldn't get it on TV?
0: No, we got it the the WCHA game in two thousand eighteen and uh, I mean the biggest hang up right there is the flow contract. But since the TV six contract with Tech and Northern predates any of the flow agreements, we're able to do that one without paying an exorbitant rights fee. Okay, that's a whole other story on what Flow has done with the rights fees. That they hold the broadcast rights and they have absolutely no intention of ever broadcasting a game. And that's something that I know that when I talked to Don Lucia after uh, he took the job and found out that that uh, that Morris Kurtz had already sold the rights without asking anybody who was going to be in the league office, that was immediately a bone of contention. That, wow,
3: that that's, is that's frustrating. Really nice.
0: Yeah. 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 They have no intention of ever broadcasting a game. All they want is is their hand in the till if somebody decides to do it. And that's sure. I think one one of the big hang ups right now for why you're not seeing more a local TV coverage is because it's just, it, it, it's exorbitant what they're asking for what they want.
3: Well, I will say as someone that watches them remote is that when you guys cover it at TV six, somebody needs to figure out the video sooner than the middle of the game. It is.
1: The, it, yeah. The it, color it,
3: balance. You heart. Well, it's not a color. It's not balanced. The bat, the color is okay. It's shifted. You have a, you have oh, a yeah. small green color line on the bottom and i don't know what breaks that i'm not a i'm not a broadcast person i, I deal with uh, ip layer stuff not not actual video in my networking but uh, something breaks it and it it's all of like the the armbands you see like off you know up or down and it just, it gets almost nauseating to watch on the flow broadcast
0: i will tell you this rob that there was an email chain that went back and forth with 74 different responses to that one between flow the league and the TV <laughs> sure. station trying to figure this one out the last time that we did it. Because f- right now the league wants it so that you've got intermission content and, and that means that they want it directly from the TV station and not from the arena if that's not where everything's being originated from. So sure. when you see a game that we're doing on TV six and you catch the commercials in there, that's being d- directed to flow right from Nagani, not from the arena. So Gotcha. Okay. Right now, that's the hang-up, is that there's a third party involved. So you're saying is someone
3: one. someone over by Northern is causing problems with the games. That's what it is. But <laughs> they're aware of the problem. we are yeah. addressing
0: the problem. We'll try to correct the problem. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think it was – and I'm trying to remember if it was doing it when it was in uh, – at the Berry, too. I think it was both. It wasn't yeah. just. Uh, it was. It yeah. was when it was coming from TV six. Yeah,
0: it's when it's coming from TV six where the issue is right now. So I will say though the,
3: the the last couple of games at Tech, and I don't know if there has been specifically an adjustment uh, on the Tech side. And there comes one of the cats. You heard that, <laughs> huh? I've been <laughs> no, running out. See, I can see it right here, right, right there. Above, there, he is, yeah. there
0: he or she is. <laughs> Off of that wall, yes. you cat. There he goes. <laughs> I wish it was do you see with cats all the time. <laughs> I don't know what they did or what they've
3: changed, but the last couple of games from Tech have been—they have been much much crisper. They look a lot better on the flow broadcast than they were earlier in the year. So it, it does feel like they're actively being improved upon, you know, by the the staff, which is something really welcoming to see. I mean, you, you could put a much higher fee in front of me, and I probably would still pay it to watch Tech hockey.
2: Uh, don't say that. Up don't there. say that. Don't say okay, that. Well, you, don't say yeah, that. You're Please on the record don't. now. Yeah. We're already,
3: you can, you, you can we're already
2: about at my backs personally, <laughs> but yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you, Rob. One of the things that I noticed this weekend is that the 100 year like center ice logo on the feed looked fantastic, as opposed to just not looking like a yeah, you know, it wasn't looking like a black blob in the middle of the rink. Yeah, and then you could. Speaking Figuring of things looking was, good, did short? you guys
1: see the picture of the seniors kissing the ice with the Tech Hockey Guide logo in the background?
2: That was nice, yes. Wasn't that
1: sweet? <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe maybe it was worth it just for that one photo to have our ad there where it's blocked by the coaches 90% of the game.
0: Now I'm, I'm excited to see what Tech does since they've posted the job of director of video production. So they're going to devote somebody to that position for next season, and that will be really a a good improvement if they get the right person in. They've got the equipment and the infrastructure right now. I think it's just a matter of really instructing the staff and getting a chance to see what the equipment should do. So the hardware is there. Now it's the software part. Get the people to operate it right. So when I shot the reverse angle camera on Friday night in the Ferris game, I I hope that gave them a chance to say, look, this is what you can do with this camera if you get the right person running it, and it can be a real (laughs) – asset to the broadcast and then we can get much better coverage that way as long as the camera work keeps improving at that rate
1: and, and i really yeah. hope the main cameraman or camera person is shown where the score bug is yes so that they know that, that like they're centering it where they think is good but they're forgetting that the top two inches of their screen is actually the score bug and they need to adjust up a little uh I was consistently like, I wish the score bug was on the bottom because it seems like that's a more natural place for the cameraman to not miss action versus no, the ty- top.
0: Typically, when you get to that level of camera that they have now, you can actually superimpose just a clear box into your viewfinder to show the person where that's going to be. Or what I'm I've seen done- just,
3: I'm just putting
0: some tape across the top. <laughs> exactly. Like, where it is. That's <laughs> the low-tech tech. solution yeah. to the high-tech <laughs> problem. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> But if you watch the reverse angle camera and any of this stuff, if you watch that show back, I'm cognizant of where that is. So you see when the really tight shots are in, it's not right to the top of the screen where I'm giving you at least this much room now for that bug. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I do. And I don't know if this is a thing that is done or not, but it's a question. You got your, your broadcast background, right? Is there ever any sort of like league wide standards on just broadcast etiquette at all that are given out? Because, and again, this is purely from a fan perspective, and it's my perspective, but I don't ever want to see anything but the high center for natural gameplay. I Please. want replays on other cameras, but during actual
0: gameplay, don't ever switch it. There's no reason to. That's a great question. And, and, and one that I think the league is starting to address. I know that Dom has made that a point to try to get that to be the standard. There have been a lot of times that even at Tech, they were cutting to the reverse angle camera on live action where all of a sudden your team that's skating left to right is now skating right to left in the middle of the same play. And you're completely confused on what's happening. Yeah. It's one thing to
1: like have the alternate view be the camera that you show like as the puck's being dropped and then switch back to the other action. But it's a completely other thing to be doing it when there's rushes going on or, or whatever. Yeah, it
3: almost feels like to me that at times it's, I don't know, over-directing is the, would be the right term yep. for it, right? You're, you're trying to give all of these, when in reality, simplicity is the beauty. Yeah. You, you don't need to change. the What you're broadcasting is the interesting content, not the camera angle you're using to do it with.
1: Yeah, and if, uh, like like when it's a power play, give me the whole zone. I want to see all of it. I want to yes. know where everybody is. I want to mm-hmm. see the motion. Don't zoom in on anybody Cause you're just preventing me from seeing the play develop and trying to figure out what they're trying to do. No, I, I use the I'm hockey Canada standard.
0: That that's, that, that's the gold standard of, of how you cover hockey. So if the puck is not my standard is if the puck is in motion, then you stay with that one angle. If somebody's standing behind the net waiting for things to happen, and you want to get just the quick shot when there's no motion going, I'm okay with that. When the puck yeah, is in that motion, makes sense. the number one camera and that's it.
3: Yeah. Yep, yeah, I can get behind that. What I yeah. hate is the all right, somebody's coming up the ice, we're going to zoom in tight on him and you have no idea what's going on anywhere else. And I realize that when I go to a rink, I don't want to sit on the glass for the most part either. I don't like being that close. I want to see things develop. So, I know it's a personal choice there, but it it, it that the constant swapping, it it almost at times can it breaks up the play itself and you don't get a good idea of what's happening someone that's remote
0: yeah there's a balance right now that before most of the places that had that don't have a video board the coach's camera was what you saw a lot of that was on the screen so it was serving a dual purpose so like the stuff at huntsville that's what you got for your your one camera from up top all the time for the coaches and that meant they had to stay wide the whole time so now they're looking at, well, how can we differentiate ourselves from what the coaches want? And we don't want just coaches' video going out as our broadcast stream. So yep, I, I, I think that. right now that it, it's it's like it's swinging back and forth and we're finally going to get to the middle at some point. But uh, right now we're still in a pendulum swing trying to go back to where we need to be.
3: Yeah, and I understand too that it's, it's obviously a, what is being put up on the board a lot of the times is what's being
2: broadcast. So you have to balance that,
3: what am I showing in the arena –
2: Dustin just killed an Anderson's Pure Fuel live on stream. Like, it it was nothing. (laughs) Look at him go. Don't think that was going to get missed, Dustin. For anyone who missed last season, he bought us packages of maple syrup. And they're, like, from Anderson's Maple Syrup, and they're still sponsored. Great maple
4: syrup goodness.
1: Yeah, just, no, very, 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 very sorely missed as a sponsor this year. Yes,
2: they and the thing is, they're not sponsoring any hockey right now, so why not sponsor Tech Hockey Guide Anderson's? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, but, you can't
3: find mine, it's on my desk somewhere. Yeah, i I've, I've still it. got
2: mine, and I, <laughs> I, like that, I, warned us,
3: Dustin, we could have done that shot together. Yeah.
2: Well, I feel like we still got it. We got it there for something special. Like I've got right now. Um, all right, I'm
3: bringing um, it with. I'm bringing it with me to the W, the CCHA final, if we get there.
2: See, for I, me, I've got a ten dollar bet on DraftKings for Tech to win the national championship, and if it hits, I get some crazy amount of money. So I then we'll. I then can't then believe, I'll believe I'm drinking
4: maple syrup walking down the
3: the strip. That's gonna help keep you up all night, right? To Vegas.
4: Yeah. I was like, last night. I was I crashed last night. First two nights I was good. Last night I crashed. Combination of not enough sleep, too many gummies, and too much
2: beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt the train of thought there. That was just too good to let like fly by the wayside. Yeah, I love it. I'll that. go back. I'll go back on mute. You guys can get back to your conversation.
1: <laughs> All right. Oh, the Vegas cameos. Yeah, oh, Vegas baby. <laughs> uh with this this video recording i don't know if dustin realizes that what happens in vegas is not going to stay in vegas it's going to go on youtube oh don't worry we're
4: keeping it pretty mild on the (laughs) video shoot here (laughs) i do have a pretty good recommendation for a show that we went to last night that absolutely kicked ass Dustin, keep it pg if you ever come to vegas you've got to see the atomic balloon show okay we've gone to a few shows out here it didn't the Atomic Saloon show is by far the best. It was incredible.
5: Yeah.
4: But, like comedy combined <laughs> with acrobatics and singing is like all kinds of crazy stuff. People flying around on uh, cables and poles above everybody's head.
1: Oh, it's I think insane. I've seen that guy. I think I've seen some of that on uh, TikTok. Found it.
4: There's a dude that's got a chihuahua and he does like all kinds of. Like he's a gymnast and he does like all kinds of tricks and the chihuahua, like he does a handstand on top of a pommel horse and then the chihuahua stands on his feet.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. And that's a great segue. So um, we've been talking for almost an hour. (laughs) It's basically just a good reason to stop talking, Dustin. So (laughs) so, uh, what do we think is going to happen this weekend in Mankato and in Houghton?
0: Well, uh, I've been breaking down my Bemidji numbers on uh, what's gone for the season. So here's your uh, your season leaders for each of these teams. Each have seven points, and it's not a surprise to know who those are. Brian Hallinan's got two goals, five assists for seven points, and he's scored at least a point in every game. The only other player in the series that scored a point in each game is he's Lucas still- Sillinger. Yeah. He's got four goals and three assists, and he scored in all four. When you look down the list, peratino has got five points this season against him. Ashbrook, Mosley, and Kateroth all have four points. And then Misiak and Nardella each have three. That's a pretty good spread from line to line. And when you look at what Bemidji's got, Owen Sillinger's got five points. Nobody else has more than three. So in my mind, that really outs Bemidji Is yes, you're a one-trick pony. And granted, it's a pretty good trick. But if you can <laughs> shut down that top bunch they're not deep enough to be able to win this game. I, I think right now it's text to win.
1: Well, I agree. And I think it's, uh, I think the interesting thing is actually that Bemidji state got the goaltending this weekend. Cause they've struggled in net this year to find yeah. that guy. And obviously it's hard to replace, uh, why can't I think of the name of the Driscoll. guy that went to Driscoll.
0: Driscoll, yeah.
1: Driscoll and yeah, yeah, it's hard to,
0: played well too. it's
1: hard to get a third goalie after Bitzer and Driscoll to, to keep that going and, right. uh, and put up those numbers to give them that, that advantage every night.
0: Yeah. Enright started the first game uh, against tech, the one that the Huskies won four to three in Bemidji, the opener in the, uh, in the first series of the year. Shoals played the other three. And if you watched any of the game against Bowling Green, the decider in, in three, Scholl was unbelievable. He made some saves that Bitzer and Driscoll would be looking saying, man, that guy would have started in front of us if he played like that. So he's really come on in the last couple of weeks, and, and they were struggling mightily at the end. I mean, you look at those two five to 5-2 games. That was a team that couldn't buy a win, but you look at them on the ice the way they played these two games. Those were not 5-2 to two games. They played really, really well for those. No, I think actually,
1: if I remember correctly, isn't one of those two wins, one of the two games that we were expected to lose by instead expected goals? I think. That's a
2: question to me, and I don't know that off the top of my head. I'd have
1: to find my pivot table that I made a while ago.
2: Well, I will tell you
0: this. Of the 12 periods they've played so far, Tech has scored in 11 of the 12, at least one goal. Yeah. So that's a good sign that you've also not really depended on big, huge bunches of scoring, kind of like Bemidji has. They've got you know games where they had three goals in a period and then nothing the next one. So the only period that Tech had all season where they had more than two goals was the third period of the fourth game against Bemidji when they were 2-2 and came back to win that one 5-2. The one thing that's concerning to me right now is, is that Bemidji was really efficient on the power play against Michigan Tech, and probably more than any other team this year. They were four for 11 in those couple of games, and you're not going to see many teams against that penalty kill come up with that kind of efficiency. And that really speaks to what they've got with that top unit, with the Sillingers and then Iarulo and Rosen and Somoza. That's a really good power play unit. But again, you've got to shut down the top. Which line is going to be responsible for shutting those guys down? That's got to be a big focus in practice this week.
3: And yeah, it, it feels like it's a bit of a different Bemidji team than usual. There's a lot more high-scoring games than yep. than I seem to remember out of Bemidji. Bemidji usually plays more of a lockdown, you know, slow-scoring-style game, and they don't mm-hmm. seem to be that team this year. It's a bit different to see out of Bemidji.
0: The one yeah. guy that they were missing when they played in Houghton was Armour. I thought he played really well when they were in – minnesota for the first series and for some reason i don't know if he was hurt or or why he missed that one but he didn't play in houghton and that was a big loss out of their lineup along with uh and kirkup those are the guys that really are kind of the unsung heroes that can step up and give them some secondary scoring and if they're not helping out i mean they're really top heavy with, with the way that they do stuff you've got to be able to take away secondary scoring if they think that they can get it but Again, you know, I don't know what it is about brothers. There too, you get get done with the FitzPatrick's and you end up with a yeah. cylinder.
5: I'm not sure right. what they've
0: got coming in next with twins or triplets or something like that. But you got to think that they're looking to try to come up with another brother act. Well,
1: yeah. I did find it. So on January 28th, by expected goals, Michigan Tech should have lost five to four, and ended up winning five to two, if I recall, because both of those yeah. were that score. So that's kind of an oddball to have it be that lopsided for actual results versus expected goals
0: yep they scored a power play goal in every game every one of the four that's good because that's
1: that's been a little more hit and miss lately where they'll you know they went what two for four friday and oh for whatever saturday this last weekend right or the other way around i forget which. no i'm
0: talking about bemidji has scored a power play goal in every game Oh, okay like against tech now tech still has four power play goals in the series too they're four for 14 so they've had a couple more chances But I I just don't like that four out of 11. That's a really – that's an outstanding number right now in in what's been a very good penalty kill season. This seems to be kind of the outlier. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think just kind of continuing off what Dave said, I feel a similar way that it's text game to lose. And I think one of the most uh, telling things about this Bemidji thing – or this Bemidji team, rather, that's going to be something to exploit is that um, I don't think – because they've, they've obviously been playing musical goaltenders that seem to have gotten a gem in Shoal. He played fantastic this weekend. I tuned in for some of those games, and he was just making some out of his mind ridiculous saves. So hope, hopefully that's not the, the guy that shows up in Houghton. But another surprising thing that I learned from uh, following along with the Bemidji fan that hangs out in the Tech Hockey Guy Discord is that Bemidji does not have one single shutout on the season. And I know that the NCAA is like more of a high scoring league, so maybe that's a little bit of a whatever, but especially when you've got a goaltender for Michigan Tech that's just broken the single season record for shutouts, that says something about the number of goals that that team will concede if you find a way to do it.
0: Yeah, like I mean, if you scored in all but one period, you're finding ways to get to this guy. and And, and that means that. I think the more you jump on them early, I know there were two comeback and late third period wins in that series in Houghton, but I don't think you want to wait around until the third to turn oh, no. it on against these guys. You want to make them play from behind for sure, and that's true yes. of any level of hockey. But I think that's a team right now that if you force them to play from behind and keep double-shifting the cylinders and Rosen and make them play extra minutes, that's a really good way to limit their effectiveness because they're going to be winded a little quicker.
3: Well, that's where the depth comes into play, too, right? Yeah. I mean, and depth and the home advantage. You've got last change. You see the cylinders out there? You can put one of those grinding lines out there against them that can try to wear them down. You know, we have that advantage with uh, being at
0: home. They're not real big. That's the one good thing about it is that they don't have a ton of size the way that, like, a Bowling Green or a Western Michigan does. So you don't necessarily have to put out your biggest guys against them. I think possibly that uh, Missiak could be a perfect guy to shadow a cylinder right now because he's got that kind of you know bulldog mentality where yeah, he can his, go out and
3: <laughs> lynch on his him. work rate is is incredibly noticeable on the ice this year. You know, he, it's almost like you you got a guy that knows he's got another chance and he's, yep. he's taking the best advantage of it that he can. And I'm glad to see he was back in after getting yeah, hurt as well because he wasn't there in the last game of the regular season.
0: Missing Bretzman, having him step up into more of a leadership role, has it's really big. When they get together for their pregame stretches, I, I found this. Uh, he's uh, He's got a little skit that he does at the end of every stretch, and he comes <laughs> up with something different every time to kind of loosen the guys up. That kind of guy is invaluable in this part of the season, where you can get them out of that warm-up and really kind of loosened up and, and heading for the game and, and stepping onto the ice. He's going to be a guy that's really missed next year in a huge senior class. This is going to be underrated, the, the stuff that he does away from the ice surface, too, that he's been so influential doing.
1: No, I think we've all, like, I honestly was surprised he didn't get a letter. Um, just because of the kind of, like, he reminds me a lot of Badawanja, just that kind, like, not quite as bulldogish, but that work rate and that effort all the time like you knew you were getting his best every night, whatever it was going to be. Um, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I I have a feeling Tech's going to find a way to win this game, get rid of that point one percent chance of not making the tournament, and uh, <laughs> they're safe and take care they, of they that.
0: Safe as kittens already. Oh. This is it's house money as far as the NCAA tournament goes right now. But I, I don't want to play like that. I, I want to play like there is something to win here. Uh, yeah,
2: me too. and like we've also seen some crazy results to kick people out. So we'd rather just do our part and get that yeah. all the way to a 100. Yeah. But I think another thing for me in this series is that I just kind of like the way our system matches against Bemidji. For some reason, to me, whenever I watch it, I just feel like I don't I don't think this Bemidji teams bad at all. I think they're better than what their pairwise would indicate. Yeah. But for some reason, when Tech plays them, they just seems to be a pretty stress free win. All things considered, especially the last few times we play them,
0: I remember Joe saying that their si- their system is very similar to what Northern plays. And if you remember, the, the Northern, uh, th- those little one game sets that they had to play on Tuesdays after oh, the. We, we, uh, we remember the those. They were pleasurable.
2: Yes, and yeah. I <laughs> would absolutely but, say the same thing about Northern. They- I don't remember. I don't remember. Can you outline what happened?
0: Average Farm remembers. <laughs> Let's just say that no team in green ended up having a good night in all four of those <laughs> games, either Bemidji or Northern. So but what a perfect segue then if you play Bemidji and Northern comes up with the upset in Mankato.
3: Yeah, I would, uh, I would not be sad to have to drive North instead of West <laughs> from green the green Bay area.
0: I, um. I really think Northern's got a great shot. I, I honestly do that for some reason at this, part of the season when they play that quarterfinal, semifinal part, they're just a tough out. They have been the last couple of years. They, well, they seem to always be just a step short of winning it. And that means they're going to be a finalist. So why and, not, right?
1: And the thing that, that, that's been interesting to me is it seems like it's been four straight games where even though McKay has won them, like I thought he was very shaky – for at least the first 20, 30 minutes against Tech both nights where it just didn't seem like he was comfortable at all until the, like the third period for whatever reason. And we just couldn't get that second goal for whatever reason. But that didn't mean he looked good at all, despite his numbers. And then again, you know, similar things happened this last weekend against St. Thomas, at least Friday. Um, you know, like that. that, like, yes, I think Minnesota State, uh like that for whatever reason, like their kryptonite is the way Northern plays. So it'll yeah. be interesting I, to see. I mean like they have the best chance of I think of anybody of upsetting them before before the championship game.
2: Yeah, and I think Mankato's taking a hard look in the mirror after the way they played St. Thomas and not coming out of those as unscathed as they probably would have hoped.
0: Yeah, I mean Kato's a great system defense. And the way that you beat system defenses with individual players, and Northern certainly has those in spades. Well, that, that's the kind of game that Krohn and Beck and, and uh, the, the guys like that that can make an individual play. I think the way that the Mavericks play is really designed as a collective And the way that you beat them is with individual effort. Like the Logan Pietola goal when they played down in Mankato, the the shorthanded goal was a completely one person effort on that one. They don't, it's like, remember the Death Star? Like, we're designed to to fight off these big, huge cruisers, but you can fly a little X Wing in there and beat us. That Northern is the X Wing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's,
3: And it does feel like they've had some success.
0: They're one of the few teams that has beat Mankato this year already. (laughs) You know what's really weird? I I thought this was strange. The only times that Mankato lost this year when they got out of that, uh, that first bunch of the season, in the regular season in the CCHA, their three losses were Friday night at Ferris. Friday night at Lake Superior, Friday <laughs> night at Northern Michigan. And I was convinced they were gonna go old for four and lose the Friday night in hope, But they ended up coming up with the win on that one. So yeah. if you get them in Michigan on a Friday night, you got a great chance to beat them. I guess. Well, yeah, I
1: mean it is pretty crazy to think that Tech scored first in three of those four games. Yep. And and sure. didn't find a way to widen that league lead in any of them and, you know, ended up being as close as it was all, all four nights. Um, you talked
0: about uh, McKay, though, Tim. I'm wondering how much of the trip to Beijing took out of him, especially when you don't get to play, when you're out there essentially just as a backup the whole way and all the travel and the stuff they had to go through. I'm sure the adjustment getting back has not been easy. I didn't realize he was out there. He should have yeah. been that's no, why he
3: wasn't yeah i don't think yeah <laughs> i think I was smith, was that was just it was hastings yeah. and smith yeah yeah
0: but how much of that though is i mean think of the frustration level too that your coach is there the goaltending was subpar i thought from the us team but now you know you could have been there making a difference so you no know, yeah. i I, yeah. I think right now if i was Dryden mckay i still feel a little bit slighted that i didn't get to go
5: yeah
0: and okay. and how much of that is, is still grinding a little bit that maybe he could have been a guy that was a difference maker especially when you're taking a 34-year-old backup journeyman as the other guy, Uh, that one didn't make any sense to me. And and I I still think that a little bit of his problem right now is just the mental part because it's got to be tough to stay engaged with how much action he gets into a game right now. There haven't been many chances for him to really go back and and have to steal a game. And this may be one against Northern Michigan that he's got to go steal it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's typically, you know, found a way to not always show up in conference or NCAA tournament playoff games. So, you know, this would be a big for him to see if he can finish out this series. Dustin, how much money did you win? Oh, he's fixing his headphones.
4: Uh, 200 bucks. <laughs> oh. uh, I was on the Chevy Chase vacation game. I won 200 bucks
1: yeah maple syrup right. for everybody uh maple syrup for everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh shoot there was something I was gonna ask you Dave and I forgot now
0: did you That's want to so- talk about the pairwise at all Because I, I I don't care what the other probabilities say after I went back through I've got it as 100 uh, percent. I think they're in right now looking at what the other pairings yeah, are I- and and what can happen still with common opponents they're not going to move from 10 or 11. The only team that can pass them right now is Minnesota Duluth. And, and that would be because they come up with an ungodly number of bonus points going forward in their RPI to bump ahead on that one. The rest of them, you're not going to catch uncommon opponents right now with who's left in that kind of range between 11 and 16. And uh, you're not going to move well, up. Well, because I mean, of what's if important.
1: Michigan Tech loses this weekend, somebody in Hockey East is going to jump them.
0: I don't think that's necessarily true.
1: Well, either, either they're winning and taking a spot that moves the lineup
0: or umass is jumping them remember if, if umass loses a game this is going to be one of those that, that they they drop down yeah even, even if they win they're going to be playing a terrible team that it could be one of those we throw this out because it would have dropped your rpi because hockey east is so bad right now so i i'm just not seeing it happen i i've I haven't run all of the numbers, but everything that yeah. I've run through yeah. says that you can't really move down past 11. I think they kind of found the spot of where they settled into right now. Six was too high. 14 was too low. This was about the right spot, and I don't think they're going to move much.
3: No. Yeah, the probability of hasn't I'm pretty – I mean, the, the only way you can get out of the three-band is is it's a really, really low chance of getting up to, to ninth. I don't think that's happening. But, you know, 10th, 11th does seem like it's the spot, at least according to – college hockey news is matrix
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i don't think you can pass notre dame just because of common opponents and oh, then, on the then start, head
3: right
0: yeah and we start looking down right now at i'm going to just look at the the direct comparison with umass right now when you look at that one all right so it's two nothing right now because common opponents they can't win they, they can't take well, that but, comparison but,
1: but common opponents doesn't matter unless you play head-to-head no that's not true it is because the tiebreakers are RPI, and if if you don't play head to head, so yeah. You, yeah, common opponents is irrelevant. If you have a better RPI, you win the p- comparison no matter what, because the RPI is the tiebreaker. Right. Yeah.
0: But I mean, yeah. if you're sitting at fifty-four nine seven right now, if you're UMass, you're not getting any bonus points of somebody that's playing in a Hockey East right now. <clears> and right now, 55.41, That's a pretty good mark. I don't think you're going to be able to make that big of a of a seventy point jump to be able to get back above. That. Well, but if and tech- even if you do.
1: But if tech loses, they are fifty what was it here? Where is it? Let me run it quick. So if they lose to Bemidji State today, with nothing else happening, they drop to fifty four eighty three. And they're behind UMass just by losing without U- UMass playing at all.
0: And then UMass is gonna get who in the first round of the Hockey East playoff.
1: I mean, I'm not saying it's likely to happen, but if if uh if what is it? If Omaha wins, NCHC. Well, okay. So where was the that that was in the what? Where's that page? No, I didn't have that open anymore because somebody has that I mean, UMass, for us.
0: Lowell and Northeastern can't all pass them right now. No, no.
1: But UMass might be might, UMass might be able to pass them, losing the championship game to somebody else and stay above them. And then there's two spots. That are now ones UMass is now above us, plus there's a team that's below us that's getting in because they won the conference. Then you got Omaha could win the NCHC, very unlikely, but they could. I mean, technically, Omaha, Miami, or CC could somehow win. Not likely, not at all, but there's that's why it's point one because Michigan Tech is not guaranteed to be top 10. And if you're not guaranteed to be top 10, there's still a chance that there's six conference champions that move the cut line.
0: Dustin, think, go find that book again and bet the Tech's going to win it. I <laughs> wish you gonna could get, find it. That they're going to get into the tournament. <laughs> I How wish about I that?
5: could.
4: Yeah. I, I tried to convince the guy. Just let me bet on the field. Just let me bet on the field. I, I promise. No, I, <laughs>
0: well, I think okay. betting them to be in the tournament is no. nice yeah you can
5: get
1: Yeah. No, I think – there is a distinct oh. possibility that it is 100% after Wednesday's games. Right. Like, I, um, yeah, Who knows?
4: I did place a bet to, as I like to say, hedge my happiness. Yeah. And I bet uh, North Dakota to win the national championship. So,
1: <laughs> so at least if that happens, you win some money? If Lenin. that happens, at least they win money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say this. When you look at the top four right now, there are a lot of big dogs up there. Even if you do get into the tournament and win that 2-3 game that I think you're going to end up in, whoever's the one seed in whatever region you're in is going to be an awfully tough out. There are some really good teams right now playing great hockey. With Denver, I think, right now is my favorite with the way they've played down the stretch and what they've got. North Dakota's done nothing to make me think that they're not out there. The only one I think is really vulnerable in the in the current top four is Michigan. Just because yeah, I, I I've said it all year long. They do not have the goaltending. Eric Mottello is going to cost them something down the stretch, and that Notre Dame series proved everything that I've said all year long. They just don't have the mental fortitude or the goaltending to make it into the finals.
2: No. I
3: want, uh, I want the GLI rematch. To be honest, that's, that's yeah, like, I also I would that love to see that.
2: Just seeing both Michigan and Western play after seeing after watching both. them both. Michigan is no match for Western. They've got too much size, too much depth. I think Western would mop the floor with them.
0: There's only one thing that makes me think that isn't going to happen. Remember, Western Michigan right now is the ultimate hard luck team in the NCAA tournament. They've made seven appearances, and they have yet to win a game. I don't know what it is about it, but they have never won a game in the NCAA tournament. I know we said about that with Minnesota State before last year. Western, Cloud.
1: Michigan.
0: Cloud. Yeah, yeah, somebody's gonna have to break it at some point. But at least St. Clouds won a game every once in a while. Westerns never even won a game.
1: But St. Cloud yeah. was over something yeah, until they beat they Northern, Ophir. right? Yep. <laughs> Whatever it was, I forget because Minnesota State basically replaced them as the the over team.
0: Now it's Western.
1: Now it's Western. So okay,
0: I would love to see them play Michigan because I I think just the uh, the storyline on that one would be. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. If,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, if we don't be, end up winning one this year and we're in the tournament, we're starting to
2: be that over conversation. Yeah.
3: yeah, if that Who happens, might. I
2: might have to drive down to Kalamazoo and buy myself a Western jersey before regionals. But either, <laughs> can you can you just guy, imagine?
5: Guy,
2: but, even yeah. better, even better, we beat Mankato in
4: the championship game. Doc Mankato, number two in the fairwise. Michigan number one.
1: <laughs> no, I want to beat them. I'll be. The, we can be the 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 nine and play the eight in Allentown, and then then have like uh, five hundred fans to their twelve in Allentown. I'd like that very much.
0: I'll tell you this right now. Here's your bold prediction. There's no way Michigan makes the Big Ten championship game. They can't beat I don't, Notre Dame because of the way that they play them. I don't. They're not think so. beat them.
2: And also, I don't know what got into Penn State this weekend, but I think they're more of a threat than they lead on as well.
0: I don't think it was as much as Penn State as it was I didn't trust Ohio State. Too many freshmen, not the, not the right coaching now to be able to get through that kind of a series. If you're depending on Lowry and Merkulov and Dobish to get you through, who've never been around to do this before, I think that was a risky strategy, and I think it bit Steve Rollick right where he didn't want it to. <laughs>
2: That could be, but I also thought that I watched that mostly because with uh, with Penn State boxing Ohio State out of the like national conversation, that was big news for us. I liked that, yep. but
1: yeah, that's the reason yeah, we're yeah, ninety nine point yeah, nine percent is because we we cannot yeah. fall behind Ohio State. I don't think now.
2: Yeah, I was watching and that I mean, game, but the interesting storyline there was that there were two things. No matter what happened in that game, you were going to see history with the winner because the first one is that. Um, the Ohio or Ohio state is not, or I guess they are the Ohio state, but, um, they have not gotten out of the first round of the big 10 tournament ever, but by the same, in the same line, the away team has never won a series in the big 10 tournament. So yeah, boxing That's Ohio weird. out of the national conversation was not the worst thing Penn <laughs> state could have done for me, especially with what it did for us.
0: The only thing Michigan has going for them is that in the previous seven Big Ten tournament champions list, four of the seven have been won by the number two seed. Two of them by the number one, and the only one outside of the top two that's ever won it was Penn State, who was a four. (laughs) But, you know, if that's the reason they tanked in the last week, that's going (laughs) way too deep into the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: just a bit. No, I... uh... And uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I randomly went to a Michigan-Minnesota game at Mariucci to hang out with some friends, and then half of them ended up having COVID, so I didn't even get to see most of them. But uh, it was such a weird game because Michigan won, and it didn't, like, and then the shots were lopsided in favor of Minnesota, and I'm like, it doesn't, it didn't the game didn't feel anything like the score and it didn't feel anything like the shots. It was like the weirdest thing ever that it didn't feel like the stats made any sense to what I watched because all Michigan did was like, I'm watching for 10, 15 minutes and I'm like, where are these star players? And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. They got like two goals on some like sweet, crazy plays from and it was all their like star players that had been at world juniors and went, ended up going to the Olympics. And then, and then they disappear for 10 more minutes and like nothing would happen. And Minnesota would control all the play, but they couldn't get it past Pertillo for whatever reason uh, that night. And it was just like the weirdest thing where Minnesota was dominating play, but those star players would just show up every once in a while and put it in the back of the net and like, in something that you just couldn't even stop because you, you couldn't have predicted how they were even going to do it. It was just weird.
0: Like they're all highlight reel building, right?
2: That's exactly it's, what yeah. I'm going to like that I was going to bring yeah, up. There's is no that grind. There's well, there. The University of Michigan, as it sits right now, is an NHL talent factory. There's there's no denying that. But they're bringing in those those smaller guys, those skill guys, and a lot of them, um, just they're they they do not know like how to play cohesively as a team very well. Like they're, they're building those highlights for sure. Okay. What are we saying? Hard ice. Yeah, they don't, (laughs) they, they, it's just, it's just, uh,
1: that's for you, Dustin.
2: Yeah. It's just a bunch of, for me, Michigan plays like a bunch of individuals more so than they do a team. And this year they've got enough of those individuals to really make them look scary. But I think once it gets down the stretch, you're not going to see anything. Like I've been working
0: a lot for Big up. Ten and for, uh, for Bally this year doing games with, uh, with the guys that have been broadcasting up in the booth. So I've, Ooh, I've been to Yoast more times than I ever, ever wanted to in my life. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I
2: hate that building.
0: <laughs> it's, I mean, believe me, if, uh, if they tell me, all right, you've got, you've got pancreatic cancer, you have two years to live, but we're tearing down Yoast in three years. I will do everything I can to stay alive for that last year (laughs) so I can piss on the rubble of that place when they finally burn it down. In the the capital city of evil, that is the capital building.
1: Well, we can't edit that segment out because we just got a name for the episode. (laughs) I love this man.
2: Can we have some every week? (laughs) When I've
0: been there, though, to watch them, their power play is probably the one that tells me the most about it because they play with no structure. It's all five individuals trying to make the highlight real play. I haven't seen anything out there where I can identify that, okay, they're running an umbrella, they're running an overload, they're running a 2-3. You can't ever see anything like that because it's like, all right, throw the puck out there and just go score a goal. We don't care how you do it. And that works for a while when you're playing against Michigan State this year. But if you're playing against Minnesota or Denver or North Dakota, that's not going to work. And you're going to find really quickly that this is a team that with all that talent – they're gonna be one that really disappoints people because I know that yes. the national media wants Michigan to win. And see, yeah, and and that's the game. thing. As I much can't as wait I...
1: for the first round where they have the Bernier's clock, right? Or
2: yeah, the yep. oh, wow. to are, are they see, gonna be the
3: Eichel of this year? We have to drink. Yes, every time. yes,
2: Berniers yes, yes. Function. But the... damn it, <laughs> I guess. I guess the thing for me is like, remember last year when everyone thought that Wisconsin was gonna be the shoe to, like go all the way and like all that, and they had they had the Caulfield clock. And then they ran into Bemidji that just absolutely dumpstered them because they played a system that they just simply cannot defend against. I think I'm just I'm licking my lips thinking about Michigan hitting that team because I know it's going to happen. And as much as I hate to drop Barstool and think about like spitting chiclets on their podcast, they said that if Michigan doesn't win the national championship this year, that's the biggest bunch of bums I've ever seen in my life. Well, then they're the biggest bunch them. of bums
0: you've ever seen in your yes, life. So I, want to hear
2: I want to hear them reiterate <laughs> that point for Dustin, everybody again.
1: Justin, can you go bet on Michigan not winning the
0: tournament? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Notre Dame outed them. Uh, that was the, the perfect team to play at the end of the year to give you the book on how you beat Michigan. And, and Jeff Jackson is a guy who did it so many times with Lake Superior. The only thing he didn't do was do the clutch and grab stuff. And he didn't need to. He did exactly what they needed to show everybody in the country, here's how you beat this team. And there are at least four out there right now that I would say can do it immediately without even changing the way that they play. I was on a radio show in Lansing last week, and the host asked me, well, since they're still the best team in the Big Ten, and I came right back and said, I don't even think they're the ninth best team in the country. There might be the third best team in, in the Big Ten if I'm really being generous, but they're just not there for, for what they need to be. No.
2: I think they've got the most individuals that will have a long-term NHL career. out of Clearly. Yes. I think, I think, I, and I think that's think But they're, a, not their a program. Exactly. Nope. they're not a team. Exactly. They're not an NCAA team, and they don't have the depth to do anything at this level as it sits with the talent they have. It's
1: really, yes. really hard to show up as a team four times – especially if you end up getting matched up with one of those teams that can punch you in the mouth. It's going to be a Mike Tyson type thing where everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face, right? And Michigan's going to get punched in the face by somebody, and they're just going to not know what to do. And it's just a matter of who's going to do it and when it's going to happen.
2: Every deity out there is Western. I really want to see them do it.
0: For Western to break the duck the, against them would be really poetic. They're the for team
2: because sure. not only do they have that size, that depth, that like superstar scoring, they are going to be pissed. The chip by, is right there, yes. right? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. not They've got they've got the they've got the talent to do it on that alone. But when you add in the chip and the storyline, uh, they're off to the races. I don't want to see it.
1: Yeah, because I I think my favorite part now of scrolling through the pairwise predictor. The customizer is finding that one line in the middle that doesn't have a result <laughs>
3: that's pretty good, <laughs> yeah, uh, the fact that, that was allowed to happen that way still is a bit mind boggling to me I and hope it something that, that needs that, to be addressed at yes, the, the n c a wide level
2: yes, that should be a forfeit I, yes, I hope that's something that's addressed over the summer because I think that's caused enough of a stir to at least warrant the conversation,
1: yeah. Uh, anything from the Joe show today you want to talk about? I,
3: I think my favorite comment from the Joe show was when answering a question, which comes up in our discord about a billion times a game is why isn't there someone in front of the net? Why is there someone in front of the net during the power play? Why is someone in front of the net? And Joe's answer was, We've got the second best power play in the nation. What else do you want me to do, basically?
1: (laughs) And I thought that was perfect. I was like, "That's that is exactly how." He did explain it it a little bit, and then he was like, "What more do you want?" We're like top ten in scoring. We're (laughs) second in the country in power play. Like they're going in, yeah, they're going in.
0: So I will say this: that the question about Blake giving up goals from underneath the goal line was. uh, I mean, we know Ferris likes to throw the puck from anywhere, but. If you're now going into a game and scouting Michigan Tech and saying, we got to take all of our shots from underneath the goal line because that's where he's giving up goals, that may be the best thing that can possibly happen to give you a false scouting report for the rest of the year. <laughs> those are two <laughs> of the flukiest goals you're ever going to see. And if yeah. you somehow see a pattern from that and think you can beat him that way, I, he will love eating up all of your shots that you're wasting from the corner. Like
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: yeah um, very true.
1: No, um, I thought it was a pretty fun show today, and obviously, like some of the biggest news was we're hosting St. Lawrence next year, and we already knew that we're going to the. Is it is it a tournament in Arizona to open out the open up the building right after the GLI, if the I GLI so. happens?
3: It's another holiday it tournament. I yeah. think yeah. it's a holiday tournament. Yeah. The other I thing, thing that I, had I didn't know was year. going to Fairbanks. It sounds like.
1: Yep. I think I had that on I, my thing do, here.
3: Do we know that yet? I don't know if we knew that yet.
1: We did. Have I, any of you made that trip?
3: I've been twice. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to was... go
1: this year. If it, if it's going to be like fall, I would love to go. Um, yeah. So we've got hosting.
3: You have to remember that fall oh, that in is... Fairbanks is not fall. Well, it's, <laughs> no. it's, it's it's literally
1: to kick off the season. So it's September it's not, 30th, it's, October it's 1st. It's still
3: not fall in Fairbanks. I know.
1: But yeah, <laughs> but still. That's but it's also not winter like yeah. alaskan bush country winter
0: so yeah, my favorite are... part of fairbanks is that the parking meters in downtown fairbanks have engine block heaters on them <laughs> Every so if your meter has, runs yeah. out your car freezes solid so you've got to keep your meter alive <laughs> nice. just for that reason alone <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: i yeah, had uh... so
1: so joe mentioned hosting st lawrence gli going to fairbanks being in the the desert holiday classic or whatever the heck they're calling it this year. And I have it noted that we're supposed to be there potentially with Arizona state army and BU. Um, and then I is had to to the, we the bad
3: B. I don't, I don't know.
1: Uh, whatever. I don't know. Um, one of the
3: Bs is real bad this year. Aren't
0: they? BC has been the bad one. Yeah. But, I can't remember they, which one it is, but they were
1: nice to us. Cause they swept yes, UMass that last was weekend. Very right? nice
2: of them. Yes.
1: Yep. Um, and then I had penciled in that we were supposed to host Robert Morris, but he didn't mention that today, did he? I don't think so. Cuz no. he was one he was one series short of mentioning everything. Cuz Wisconsin cause can,
0: is next season, right? Not not it's the season after. Yeah, we're hosting Who Wisconsin
1: 23-24. Right. And then we're starting the like shuffle with like we're going to go to Clarkson and St. Lawrence in 23 24. And then we're I'm curious to, host to one see of
0: them. if the Canadian schools will be able to get back in this year and, and whether those are going to be possible exhibition games. I, I know it's easier for them to come into lower Michigan, but there have been some Canadian schools that have come up there before. And and that's been... Yeah,
3: Lake, Lakehead has played... Yep. Um Laurentian. Laurentian, yep. yeah. Those are the two that I can remember as a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. Will we ever see the Czech national team again is what I always <laughs> wonder.
0: I don't know. I remember back in the day they played Saskatchewan <laughs> and they played Manitoba. Back yes. in the eighties when the uh, the crossover was happening with the hockey e schools and uh those were some interesting battles for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all I have on my
1: I have a I have a nice little uh non conference schedule thing that anytime a coach mentions a series, I document it right away. So <laughs> so I can be like, Yeah, you said this, right? And then he can confirm it later because <laughs> he said it on a show. Um yeah. So, and I always try and keep an eye on, especially more, more so when we were in a conference with one or two Alaska schools, it was good to know which year we were supposed to go there to know when we'd have extra games. And that's more where it all came from now that it's a little different, but it sounds like we're supposed to host Fairbanks in twenty four twenty five. Um. All so, right, yeah.
4: boy, I got to drop off. I got dinner uh, at the
1: All right, have a good one, Dustin. Thanks for uh, hopping in for a little bit and letting us know about the odds. Hi, Megan. Enjoy dinner.
5: Oh, you're doing the podcast right
4: now.
1: Yeah,
4: I apologize for the background noise. Not really, that's
0: okay. Bye. Bye. See you, Dustin. Um, there's your episode name. Oh, you're doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry
1: about the background noise uh yeah i i think that's about all we got anything else guys no
3: i i think that's that's good yeah i'm 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 looking forward to to... have
1: to play ferris again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm happy to not have to play ferris or saint thomas again
2: yes because all those teams teams have taught me
1: is exactly why all the north dakota fans got so mad at us when we would go in and beat them (laughs) yeah <laughs> all it's... those years of being like the underdog all the time—you never really understood why people got so upset when they lost the tech, and and now I get it completely. Because, uh, like, like when I went to the games in in Mendota Heights, it was like if they don't win by two, it doesn't feel like it was a good game. And at, well, actually, I do have one other thing I want to ask you about, Dave. All of our uh, 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 a lot of the chat in Discord. Is any time that the score is even, is that we're playing down to our opponent. And it irritates the hell out of me because you can dominate the game and not score twice as much as the other team. You're not you're not playing down to your opponent just because the puck didn't go in. Like
2: yeah, like what do like, you call tripling like, them up in shots?
1: Like Saturday night through the first three periods, it did feel like we might have sort of at, at times were playing down to our opponent. But Friday night didn't feel that way at all. It was just more luck. And it, uh, and in in many ways, somehow Michigan Tech has felt like for most of the season, they have won games in spite of their puck luck.
0: Uh, what's Joe's line? You don't rise to the level of your competition. You sink to the level of your training. Mm-hmm that kind of stuff i mean it happens you know the, the reason that those teams are playing that kind of game is that that's how they can stay in the hockey game yeah well, they're going to clam up because the schools like st thomas are not going to beat you 6 to 5 they know that they'll going to beat you 2 to 1 by getting a couple of breaks yep. so they're going to try to keep it as tight as they can and well there're going to be some games that they give up 8 and it happens that way and sometimes like the 8 to 1 game at northern all the pucks go in and you look like you're going to be a world beater that way. But it didn't mean that the eight to one game was the best game that Tech played all year. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination. I think oh. one of the best games they played was uh, would probably a loss with the way that they played against Mankato because they just played great hockey and played against a great team that way. The eight to one game was not indicative of how good Michigan Tech was that night. I think it was how much Northern was struggling. But if you're a fan, hey, we won eight to one. That's the big part of the game. So. Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah, it's frustrating. And, you know, that's uh, that's the the casual uh, lay fan that picks up the paper next morning, looks at the score and doesn't yeah. really pay any attention. To anything yeah, else. And I think it.
1: that's one of the, the one of my favorite parts about us getting access to Instat is the expected goals, because I can go back and look at it and tell like I can be like, OK, we went to overtime against St. Thomas on Friday night. Expected goals says Tech should have won eight to three, like, but, but some of the fans are constantly talking about how we're playing down to opponent. How are we playing down to opponent when we should have scored eight goals by expected goals? (laughs) Like you can't ask for more than 5.4 expected goals on shots on goal. Like like you, (laughs) like that's just bad luck.
0: Can I really dig into the bag and come up with my favorite Brendan Morrison quote? Sure. Sometimes the best team doesn't win. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, That's hockey. Yep. I think Matt has said that. Matt Matt's going, ooh,
2: that's I've I've said that (laughs) many times. It's one of the things that's that's also one of the
1: reasons I'm a fan of hockey, is because sometimes my team won when they weren't the best team that night. They found a way to get three goals to, to Wisconsin's two. Because they got a breakaway, and they finished it, and you know all those things
2: it's what's uh, simultaneously beautiful and frustrating about hockey is that you can you you have to tune into the game to know what happens when we had uh Brian Schultz from Bemidji on here, he said like if you're watching like with football, I already know alabama's working they're they're winning week five. I just don't know if it's going to be by you know seven or twenty four or whatever, but you have but like in hockey like we saw last weekend. Number fifty nine can give number one an honest run for their money. Yeah.
0: So Tim, when this happens again, here's your comeback. (laughs) You just you give them a date and just let it sit from there. February twenty second, nineteen eighty. And ask me if you want to just play the game on paper anymore. Yeah. That was the miracle on ice. And (laughs) that is the perfect example of a team that should never be in a hockey game, winning one in spite of what everything else said should happen.
1: No, and it, but it. I mean, it happens all the time, and that, that is yeah. what's beautiful about hockey and why, you know, Michigan Tech is good enough to win the national championship this year. Four games. It's four games.
0: I mean, how many times have, have the number 15 seed won it the last couple of years with Union and Providence? And when Duluth got in by the skin of their teeth on the last possible moment— into the pairwise, and they end up winning the whole thing how many times has the number one team gone through and won it lately not very many it's the team that gets hot at the last part of the year you get a little goaltending and a little luck you're bringing home a big piece of hardware and that's that's what we love about it if it was just played on paper series is over game's over season's over why are we even going to play these games
1: yeah and 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 Michigan Tech has already played stretches this season where if they play like they did against Lake State and Bemidji back-to-back weekends with a with a missed weekend thanks to Northern's issues with diseases, um, if they play like that, they, they, they'll win it. If they play like they did against Lake State where they got back-to-back 3 nothing shutouts and played against Bemidji back-to-back 5-2 wins, they're going to win the national championship if they play like that.
0: There's no more compacted schedule. You're going to have time in between games, and there's no more of that kryptonite (laughs) three-on-three. And this is a team (laughs) that knows how to play in tight hockey games. I mean, if you've played 13 Mm -hmm. in overtime, you've played in crunch situations, you've played when the chips are down, and you know what to do when those things happen. As long as they stay healthy and get a break or two, there is no reason to think why this team can't be in contention to at least be in Boston and to make some noise when they're there.
1: Yeah. And and that's the reason that uh, Matt and Rob have put in for vacation for a couple <laughs> weeks from now. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that, but Even I plan if we're on being not there. there.
2: It's not like I'm going to do yeah. anything that day anyway. So yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I think I haven't, it all in, on, I haven't put in for Boston yet.
3: No, I've put in for the other one. <laughs> but you've got
1: time. You've got two weeks after. Yeah. After after they win their region, to to worry about that, right? if they're in um,
0: boston i'm gonna crawl there in those two weeks if i have to do. yeah i already i already
1: i <laughs> already told my ex to uh like she has to move an appointment she's got an appointment every two weeks on thursdays at four and i already told her that because of spring break and everything that i was gonna like i'm not having joey regional weekend i'm like that's thursday just so you know like if when they make the tournament as soon as i know where they're going more than likely I will not be available to do that. So she moved her appointment. And then I was like, and just so you know, why don't you just move your appointment two weeks later now so I don't have to get yelled at when I ask you uh, <laughs> two weeks beforehand to move it then. Just do it now. It's just easier this way. And we don't have to worry about it when it gets there. So um, yeah, I, yeah, the, the whole thing for me right now is trying to decide if uh, if driving to Loveland makes sense, if that's where we end up or or if i'm flying no matter what and i think that's all just going to ma- depend on where we're going
2: yeah selection sunday i'm just going to have tabs of hotels pulled up i'm pretty watch. sure i'm flying. we're going fly to fly okay out.
0: Um, we're
3: just going to fly to newark one, yeah. if it's out east because you can drive from newark for most places and that's a relatively cheap flight
0: you yeah. know most places you can just cancel the reservation afterward too matt so put them yeah. all down first have i the would floor I and would, then yeah. Click the cancel three times instead of accept once. I have
1: a feeling that, like, because technically flights, you can buy, you have 24 hours to cancel. So I might just book three flights or four flights on Saturday and cancel three of them on Sunday. Uh, And then the same thing with hotels. Just just book it up. As as, uh, As soon as they win Saturday, I'll probably be making some plans.
0: As long as I brought up the date of February 22nd, 1980... Just a quick pop quiz for you guys. you know why that date is important in Michigan Tech hockey history?
1: No, I wasn't alive. <laughs> I don't think any of us were. <laughs> Triple Stumper? I do oh. not know. No,
3: I know my parents were driving Hold back the, uh, from uh, wait, somewhere. Wait, wait,
1: wait. wait. Did, did, uh, did uh, McInnes break the win record that day?
0: That's right. At ah. Denver that night, <laughs> the same night as the Miracle on Ice. John McInnis won his 502nd game, the 5-1 victory against Denver to become the winningest coach in U.S. college history. That was oh, I, knew the there was,
3: like- I knew there wasn't a home game because my parents weren't in home. Right? They were driving back, and I have heard this story a bunch of times. They were driving back and stopping the scenic stretch because they were, radio was going in and out, and they stopped in the stretch so they could listen, and they were in a group of cars there that were also stopped for the same exact reason – and when the game was over, they were all flashing their lights and honking horns on the CD stretch. So it was like somewhere. the end
1: of uh, um, Field of Dreams with just lights flashing and everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, something
3: similar to that is the story that we've heard. So there must not have been a home game because at that stage, yeah. they would have been going to home games already. <laughs> That's where yep. my folks actually met. So or they just did, really did, did their first date was a tech hockey group. Nice. My
0: dad was at an alumni function in Denver that night and uh, he got to go to that game but he had heard from the guys uh on the team that the u.s had won because the game was on tape delay sure. so you know, we didn't know so i had the tech hockey game on the radio with bob olson while the hockey game was being played on abc so i could monitor both as soon as the u.s won the entire town emptied out into the streets and i swear we played street hockey and reenacted that game until about three in the morning. And we had a tournament the next day at 8 a.m. with all of my teammates in the house just down the road. We ended up winning the tournament far enough to get to the championship game, and they pushed back the final on Sunday morning so everyone could watch the USA-Finland game. But my wow. dad was just coming back from Denver, so he couldn't go. He and John McInnes are the only two people who were in the house for John's first win, his 502nd win and his 555th win his final one just my, my dad took tickets and did alumni stuff and for some reason he ended up at all three well wow.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it is i think the the most amazing thing about that whole story is how many people don't realize it wasn't single elimination
0: thank you disney <laughs> yeah
2: hey they peppered it in at the end
0: <laughs> yeah, as, as the afterthought, right? Of all the movies that Disney didn't need to Disney-fy, that was top of the list. I mean, it, it could have just stood on its own, but they wanted to throw in, like, all of a sudden, there's a North American referee in that game, not the Finnish referee that was in there. Like, why do you need that in there like that? all of the action sequences, why they made Al Michaels recut the audio from it. How do you recapture that 30 years later? (laughs) And then, oh, we can't do it on the end. So they blend it into the original at the end of the, just. I mean, (laughs) it frustrates me to no end because it's a story that didn't need that kind of treatment and it cheapened the movie for me. It really did. Living through it and watching the documentary stuff is always gonna be 10 times better than watching Miracle.
3: Gotcha. It is a good movie though, still.
0: Uh, Kurt Russell is fantastic. (laughs) Yes. So Um, I, I, I I I told you guys this story before that my first job at Michigan Tech, I was seven years old and Tom Ruby was the chief scorekeeper, was my dad's best friend. And we knew Denny Hanks, who was the SID. So I got the job as the kid that ran the stat sheets off the mimeograph when they were done down to each of the locker rooms. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We have a
1: very young audience. What's a mimeograph?
0: Okay. (laughs) The four copying machines. (laughs) They had this stuff with mineral spirits, and the stuff would come out blue. And if you watch the beginning of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High when the guys all pick up the quiz like this and go, (gasps) because you get the big sniff off of the mineral spirits. (laughs) So they'd run those off. I'd go to the locker rooms. Uh, John always asked about my hockey career, like, Coach, you're in the middle of a game yourself. Why are you asking me about my career as a peewee? Was one of the things that always endeared me to him. So then I'd go to the other locker room, and the guys were over there, like Bob Johnson was at uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Jeff Sauer was at Colorado College. Gino Gasparini was at North Dakota. And all of them could not have been nicer except for one guy. One guy MF'd me in front of his entire team when I was eight years old, and I was – Totally destroyed after that. Like the <laughs> yelled at me in the locker room, dad. I couldn't believe. So then I'm sure you can guess who it was, right? It was Herb Brooks. <laughs> so the year, just before Herb had his accident that season, he showed up for a game at Joe Louis Arena. And uh, I went up and introduced myself in the stands and told him the story. And Herb gets the look like, Kind of hard on you, huh? So then I realized I was an 8-year-old pawn for Herb Brooks in 1978. <laughs> that he wanted his team to play better. And if I'm an 18-year-old kitten sitting in my stall, but my coach will yell at an 8-year-old, I better get myself in gear from there. <laughs> so, yeah. Herb Brooks mf me and So that was a good way 1970- to get his
1: team motivated without yelling at his team. Got it. Yeah.
0: The, the year he won the, his last national championship, 78-79, Herb Brooks MF me in front of his, and fire in, in his entire team and then in the SDC.
1: Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad we hung around long enough for that. I'm, I'm not looking forward to <laughs> editing tomorrow, but uh, yeah, uh, that was good.
2: My butt hurts. I'm excited to get this over with, even though All it was right. a great talk.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on short notice, Dave. I'm glad you were available. It's It's nice to have you. I don't know. I know we wouldn't have talked for two hours if you weren't here. That's for sure. So
0: I'm surprised my voice held out this long because I found out how hard it is to be a misfit on Saturday. It's 48 yeah. hours later and I'm still trying to recover.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It's 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 taxing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'll leave you with this. I got uh, I got Northern Michigan three to one on an empty netter, and I got Michigan Tech four to two. Tech Northern final.
1: oh god that'd be that'd be a good time oh that's so juicy oh man oh, i'm not gonna get kicked out of that game by any cops that's for damn sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) well the tv broadcast will be a hoot so if you don't end up there oh i'll be a great show for you (laughs) i
1: got kicked out of the championship at northern i remember yeah so i didn't get to be in the photo at the end
0: that's what Photoshop is for, Tim. Uh, that's true.
1: The best part was, was when it went all over like Twitter and Facebook that I wasn't in the photo and my wife at the time was asking, why not, Tim?
2: <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't spend the night in the drunk tank, so don't worry about it. <laughs> One minute remaining in the podcast. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Patrons at the white level or above get access to our quarterly Zoom chats, question priority, and access to our instat heavy analytical articles, uh, early access to that stuff. Patrons at the black level or above receive access to our extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. We've got a couple more levels that get you... Uh, some more great stuff and really help support us so that we can uh, afford to bring you things like Instat and I don't know what else anymore, but we'll find more things. If you guys keep throwing more money at us, I I promise you Uh, follow us on Twitter at chasing Mac pod or at tech hockey guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Uh, Don't forget to, to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Please take take a moment if you can't support us on Patreon to go give us a uh, rating, five stars, please, and uh, write us a review. If you write us a five star review, Dustin will read it live on the podcast. So let's hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibkey Dental of Rhinelander and Livonia Technical Services. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our new introduction and our patron, St. Doc McResin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. And finally, thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode, even if you guys stopped making new music like a decade ago. Uh, If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankunotes.bandcamp.com.